I'm very excited, of course, uh, to have uh, Ruth uh, come on down, and she's going to share the word today. Um, we're excited on so many reasons. Ruth is an incredible teacher. Um, yeah, you clap enough for that. Yeah. She, uh, she has been a pastor in a local church for uh, a number of years. I won't say how long, so I don't want to embarrass her. <laughs> Uh, but the Lord brought her into a place of, of going into uh, full-time ministry and other aspects. And she's blessed us recently uh, with, uh, with, with coming. And uh, she's a powerful speaker. And uh, she's a very awesome, awesome way of, of just downloading from the Lord and releasing any, any kind of, 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 of past tension, past emotional hurt. To release that before the Lord, so you really grow into what the Lord is calling you to. And I guess we met, you and I met, what, maybe three years ago? Mm -hmm. yeah. Three years ago. I mean, Josh and Laura, were yep. they were like little kids. So. And my wife as well, of course. <laughs> That's right. So, yeah, so there's there's a connection, um, even though I'm always the last one, right? All these people, I don't know anyone, you know, but I've been brought into that loop, into that network. Um, and another big thing, and I know Ruth is going to uh, be discussing it, we have some literature for you, some flyers, but we're really uh, pumped up because the last uh, last two years, right, we've done the conference, it's been really powerful. And uh, so Ruth um, is going to be doing a conference out of this building, out of the sanctuary. Um, so she'll tell you about that. I highly encourage you. I, I've been to some of the sessions and... I'm telling you, if you have not sat at the feet and learned about things on emotional healing, I know it's not just that, but right, right. But it's I'm telling you, it will set you free where where normal prayers have not set you free yet. All right, so highly, highly encourage you uh, to 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 be a part. So I want to hand it over to Ruth. Okay. Thank you. All right, so the conference, it's called Cultivate Hope, because Dave asked me to talk a little bit about this before I start uh, sharing with you about uh, victim and victor mentalities. So um, Cultivate Hope, we actually titled this conference such three years ago, not knowing what our future would hold, and how especially when we hit this year, 2020, that the world is in desperate need of hope. And so because of everything going on, we did have to rearrange speakers, but we have a phenomenal group of speakers coming in that are local. Um, so some of the names you may recognize, other ones you won't, but I can tell you they're all fantastic. They're all wonderful. And then we have two that we're going to video in from Arizona. But, you know, we're going to come to town and just get so filled with the goodness of God and with the hope of God because we have a world that we need to set free, okay? Amen? Amen. Okay, now you're going to say, but God has to do that. He has to set the world free. But you know what? He chose to use us. So, you know, you need to just say, I'm all in. Okay, I'm all in because that's, you know, that's the way he's chosen to do it. So the dates are November 13 and 14. There's some little ticket type things back there that have my website on. So if you want to register for that, you can do it. Um, so you do need to pre-register. We do ask that you do that. We are not requiring masks. We're going to pretty much follow the church's protocol on, on how we handle the people in the building and how we move through that. So, um, but I want to invite you guys to come. Uh, you'll have a great time. You'll meet some great people and we're going to worship and we're going to go for all God has the prophetic will flow. Um, yeah, so we're just going to go for it. So again, come on out again. It's, it's November 13th and 14th and we're just so honored to be able to have it here. So here we go. One of the things I absolutely love about this photo is it's got a lawyer. Notice he's all dressed for battle. But where's he at? 
He's in the mud. How many of us feel like God has called us to be a warrior and yet we land face first in the mud? Can anyone relate? Okay, we end up eating mud instead of eating the word of God at times. It just feels like everything's been taken right out from under us. And here we are, all dressed for battle and we're like, okay, okay, here we go, the word of God. 2 Corinthians 10.4 reminds us that our weapons of the warfare are not of the flesh, but they have divine power to destroy strongholds. And we're there, and we're ready to go, and we're all dressed, and we've got our helmets on, we've got our boots, and we've got our shield, and we've got the sword, and we find ourselves looking just like this. All right, we become the victim because we don't know how to get out of that victim mindset. We don't know how to really stand up tall and be the warrior that God has called us to be in season and out of season, in good times and in bad times, on sunny days and on rainy days. We are called to be powerful for the kingdom of heaven. And one of the things that's been happening um, culturally for quite a while, uh, not just this year, but it's like it's been magnified this year, is that the, the church, the world, but I wanna especially speak to the church right now, the body of Christ, the bride of Christ, is there's been this almost this victim mentality that's been invading in. It's coming in like a fog, and it's just settling in. I can tell you that there's a bar in Poland that says right now that only 17% of uh, practicing Christians who are attending church, who have a relationship with God, only 17% are currently practicing biblical Christianity. We have a problem. Amen. Okay, we have a problem. Because how do we go out to a world that's hurting that we're supposed to have heavenly solutions for. How do we go out and minister into that world as victors, as the body of Christ, when we're operating from the mud pit because we think we're a victim? Okay, because God has called us to go higher. He's called us to a different standard. And so honestly, when Dave asked me to preach, I wasn't sure which way I was going to go. And then for those of you who were here last week or you were listening online last week, he kept going back to victim mentality. So I text him on Monday and I'm like, do you want me to unpack victim? And he's like, yeah, let's unpack victim. So here we go. Um, victim, I already had the graphic. So I was like, all right. So we're gonna dive in, we're gonna go deep. I wanna give you a warning. Everyone struggles, just say everyone. everyone. Everyone struggles with some level of a victim mentality at some point in their life. Amen. Okay, everyone. Now, I can tell you from an emotional healing perspective that as we get further along on that whole spectrum, we've got some who struggle with it here and there, but they know how to step into being a victor. Jess, her testimony is a wonderful example of stepping, not staying in a, a victim, but stepping out and saying, but God, but because of Jesus, I can be a victor. Okay, powerful, powerful testimony. All right, but the thing is, is how we align and what we do makes all the difference in the world. And so, um, so again, we all struggle with this, all that to say, if I say something that offends you, which I might, don't back up from it, okay? Press into it. Because one of the things that I believe is happening today is that God is actually giving us a moment to step out of that mentality and into the victory mentality. So my hope is actually that I do rattle you a little bit. That the Holy, actually, I don't want to rattle you. I really want to love on you and tell you it's going to be okay. But the Holy Spirit can rattle you a little bit. Because if we're rattled, you know, whether I'm up here, Dave's up here, or whoever, Jonathan's up here, Clint's up here, whoever, you know, Whoever is sharing the word, we want the word of God to 
and impact our lives. So we don't come just to listen to a good story. We come to hear the word of God and the power of God and the fullness of God. And we come to have our lives changed and we come to be set free, which means we should be rattled. Okay? Because I don't think anyone's perfect here. Quite yet. All right? Not this side of heaven, but we're going to work on it. So, um, so here we go. We're going to talk about what, what it means to be a victim. I want to give you a definition. And so the definition is basically, it's a, it, it's a tough definition. It's a living being sacrificed to a deity in the performance of a religious rite. Now, I just want to say, especially here in the United States, a lot of people are like, this doesn't happen anymore. It does happen. Okay, it does happen. That is one type of a victim. Number two, one that is acted on and usually adversely affected by a force or agent. One that is injured, destroyed, sacrificed, and there any of various conditions. One that is subjected to oppression, hardship, or mistreatment. One that is tricked or duped. So what do we hear in there? Okay, we just tear apart that definition, and we hear somebody who's injured, right? Somebody who's destroyed, who's had their life stripped away. The proverbial rug has been pulled out from under them. They're oppressed. They're enduring or subjected to our hardship, right? Can anyone relate? Has anyone ever felt that way? Yeah. You guys could respond, by the way. Yeah. Other than Dave's cheering me on back there, you guys could talk to me, okay? You could talk to him too when he preaches, okay? So you, know, you could feel like you're tricked. Anyone ever feel like you've been tricked? Yes. All right, so what happens with this is this is ongoing and it continues and continues. It actually attaches to our identity and becomes part of who we are. It attaches to our identity. It also attaches to our belief system because they go hand in hand. So therefore, how we view life, how we respond to situations is all going to attach and we begin to have this mess going on and we identify as a victim rather than as a victor or a warrior for the kingdom of heaven, which is who God has called us to be. So that slowly becomes twisted and as it becomes twisted, then it begins to gain strength. Of course, besides your value being affected and your identity being affected, our self-worth gets up gets impacted because if we see ourselves as a victim we don't feel that we have value we don't feel that we're worth anything all right so that comes into play and of course as this gets stronger what actually happens is we begin to lose the voice there's a lot of power in the voice Do you understand that when god created we have to understand when god created the heavens and earth he did what he spoke okay he spoke there's a creative power that comes in the voice, which is one of the big things that the body of Christ is facing right now, is that we've been silenced, right? Amen. We've been silenced in so many ways. There's power, there's power that comes from the voice. And so part of the reason, again, is um, we decided to dive directly into this because we need to deal with this mindset. And I want you to know something. When you're dealing with a victim mindset, any of us, we have to be willing. If we're not willing, there's not going to be freedom. Amen. Some people actually get so comfortable with that mud pit that they don't want to get out. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay? They don't want to get out. They, they really decide that they're just going to stay there. And, and the thing is, is the longer we go without tackling these issues, the deeper that mindset, it, the, the more solidified it becomes. It just hardens around us. 
And so again, um, the other thing that we need to understand is how do we step into this? A lot of it's learned when we're younger. What was modeled for us comes into play. But just because we learned it when we were younger, just because it was modeled for us, does that mean that we can't get free of it? Absolutely not. But God, but God, my God is bigger, my God is greater than anything that can come against me. Because no weapon formed against me can prosper. Whether it's of my own doing, like what Jess was sharing, she made a mistake. That tried to turn into a weapon to come against her, to pull her down and to take her down and to take her out of ministry. But God, okay, so no weapon or a demonic assignment, but God, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. There is nothing that is impossible for my God. Or let's turn that, everything is possible for my God. Which means that he is not at all upset or bothered by that mud pit because he knows exactly how to pull us out and clean us up as long as we're willing. Because he has said that's not who you were created to be because we were all created in the image of God. Which means that there's a power and the authority that comes up so we have to begin to step into that. So when we begin to look at the belief system of somebody who is struggling as a victim, these are some of the things that they believe. They believe everything bad happens to them. Anyone know anyone like that? It's like everything bad. It just, it just keeps going round and round and round. There's a lot of, um, there, there, there's gonna be blame game. Where do we see the first blame game played in scripture? Adam and Eve, right? Yeah, they, they just set that standard for us. They just went right down that road and we've been following ever since. And yet we get into that standard and that blame game. Think that everything happens to them. There's, there's a lot of negative talk, depression and suicidal tendencies that just tend to swirl around because everyone struggles to some degree with a victim. But as we move on that spectrum, it becomes all consuming. Remember, it, it, it uh, attaches to our identity and it, it takes our voice. It, it just goes all sorts of different directions. Um, the other thing, that we see a lot is that people with a, a developed victim mentality, they, they usually gravitate towards churches where there's a lot of spiritual abuse. I work with an organization called Voice for Victims, and it is for men and women who have experienced spiritual abuse. And we see them going back to, to Bible studies, churches, wherever, where, where the pastors and leaders are actually abusive, but because they've been in it so much, they've become so used to it, they haven't gotten healing themselves, they're trying to blame somebody else, where do they go? They leave one church and they go to another that has the same traits. We see the same thing in marriages, okay? And so you can have even a legitimate victim, something horrible has happened, but how they process it will absolutely 100% depend on if they become a victim or if they become a victor. Is our mindset gonna be a victim mindset or is our mindset gonna be that of a victor? And it is essential, hear me, it is essential that the body of Christ have a victor mindset. So just look at your neighbor and say you're created to be a victor. Now look to the person on the other side and say you're created to be a victor. 
Now make eye contact with somebody across the room and yell. Alright, I just want to make sure that we just keep coming back to that point. The other thing that happens with those who have this victim mentality is that boundaries are an issue. Because there's a belief system that sets in that I am the victim, I will be abused, something's going to go wrong, everything happens to me, so therefore, what does that mean? I'm going to make sure that happens. It's actually called a belief expectation cycle. And it just begins to swirl around. I believe I will be hurt. I expect I will be hurt. Therefore, it, sometimes unknowingly or unintentionally, I put myself into a position where I will get hurt. And it just becomes a cycle that goes on and on because it's what they believe. Okay? What we believe, where we stand, what we expect makes a difference. It's part of the reason testimonies are so powerful within the church body. Because we're saying, this is who my God is, and this is what he can do, and I'm going to stay, put my faith there. You see, a victim, it's very hard for them to give testimony to the goodness of God. Because they're in the mud pit. And when you're in the mud pit, it's really hard to see all that God has. Because everything just gets covered up. So when God does move, you totally miss it because you're expecting something else to go wrong. Victims will avoid facing the truth about hard situations, and they'll actually go and deceive themselves with why the wrong is right. Hear me. Let me say that one again. I look. At, I see faces going, what? Let me just say that again. A victim mindset will step into a situation where they're abused, where something's going wrong, where they're getting hurt, where, where they're not being valued, and they'll circle back around and say that it's actually okay. They'll find a reason, either they're gonna blame somebody or they're gonna say, I deserve this. And then they're gonna blame somebody. Okay, so it's it's this yucky, yucky, it's like they're, they're trying to get out of the mud pit and they can't get their footing, so they just fall right back in and say this is better anyways. Um, so the other thing that happens is that a victim stops dreaming. It's really, really, really important to dream. You know, um, Proverbs 4.23 says, Above all else, guard your heart, for it's the wellspring of life. And so David in Psalm 139.23 and 24 says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Now, what I want to do at this moment is I want to take this whole, this whole thing of what a victim looks like. And I really want to solidify that in, in our minds as to how this looks, okay? And so this is really, really important. Can you start that? So for you, those of you online, this will come across a little different, but let's relate a little bit. Okay. <laughs> 
Hee-haw. Do you know what song it is? Okay. Gloom, despair, and agony on me. Deep, dark depression, excessive misery. If it were for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. Gloom, despair, and agony on me. <laughs> all right, so, so that is the general, that's the general idea. Is, and that's actually how a victim feels. Everything is gloom, despair, and agony on me. Deep, dark depression, remember I said, talked about depression. Excessive misery. If it weren't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. Remember I said that when the Lord moves, they can't give the testimony if they're at the extreme spectrum because they don't believe God can move for them. They'll give you the words, but they don't really believe it's possible. So this goes round and round and round. So you can YouTube this, you know, Google it. Okay, he honk, Luna's fair and agony. I mean, trust me, it'll come up. Yeah. <laughs> And then if I were more, in two things, if I were more creative and if I could sing, neither one works, okay, but I miss those lines of heaven, I was too busy doing other things, but I would have written a verse for this, okay, that goes with a victim, okay, because basically when they go into the verses, it's everything that can go wrong, and that becomes the life song of a victim, God created our hearts to sing. He created our hearts to, to you know, uh, Psalm says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Amen. Everything that has breath. Everything that has breath, that voice, praise the Lord. But when we're busy singing, gloom, despair, and agony on me, deep, dark, depression, excessive misery, et cetera, et cetera, that's not quite, that's having breath, but it's not praising the Lord. Yeah. Okay, that's a victim. So when we talk about a victim mindset or a victim mentality, that that really comes into play as to how we look at things. So anytime we feel ourselves going into that hopeless spot, we need to understand that we were not made to live in the mud pit. We were made to live in and carry the glory of God. Come on, man. Okay, we were not made to live in the mud pit. We were made to walk and to be carriers, to be a voice for the kingdom of heaven, to be a little radical for Jesus, or actually a lot radical for Jesus, okay? That's who we were created to be. So one of the things when we look at scripture, because I, I'm really, I want to ground everything on scripture, and that's one thing that, that especially, you know, within a lot of the body of Christ, there, there hasn't been that firm foundation of scripture. That's one of the things I really appreciate about Bristol Hope is you guys are unapolog unapologetically grounded on the word of God. Okay, there's no exception to that. And I really appreciate that. And so, yeah, amen, amen. So Matthew 13, 14, and 15. This is, this is Jesus is going to quote, this, this is, he's actually quoting uh, a word that's given in Isaiah. And basically, the disciples have come to Jesus, and they're like, why are you teaching us some stories? Stories? Why are you teaching parables? And so he talks to them about the people looking but not really seeing and hearing but listening and not understanding. And then he goes on, and he says, the prophecy of Isaiah describes them perfectly. Although they listen carefully to everything I speak, they don't understand the thing I say. They look and pretend to see me, but their hearts are closed. Their minds are dull and slow to perceive. Their ears are plugged and hard of hearing. And they have deliberately shut their eyes to the truth. Otherwise, they would open their eyes to see and open their ears to hear and open their minds to understand. 
Then they would turn to me and let me instantly heal them. That's out of the Passion Translation. I love that. Let me instantly heal them. As much as I said earlier from an emotional healing perspective, victims, those with victim mentalities are some of the hardest to deal with. I really feel right now, like wherever we're at, wherever we're at on the spectrum today of having a victim mentality, I really believe that there's an open heaven to bring healing today instantly. That there doesn't need to be that massive walking out. That there is a there is an opportunity today to align with the kingdom of heaven, to partner with the Lord, to partner with Holy Spirit, and to become, you may have walked in here with some of that victim, but we're walking out as victors. Okay? We cannot afford to leave the same way that we came in. We absolutely cannot afford to do it. And so what we're going to do, we're going to take a look at some people in Scripture who had the opportunity or had things happen where they could become victims. Then from there, we're going to look at some victors, okay? So the first one, we're going to start right out with Adam and Eve. And, and you know, just so you guys know, as everyone blames Eve for the fall, I just want to point out here it was joint decision. Okay, Genesis 3, 12 to 13, the man replied, it was the woman you gave me. Uh -huh, uh -huh, yeah. It was the woman you gave me who gave me the fruit and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what have you done? Well, the serpent deceived me, she replied, and that's why I ate it. That is called, number one, the best example on the face of the earth of a blame game. And so they took everything. They took what went wrong. Instead of apologizing to God and saying, God, help us, that would have changed the whole story. Think about that. If they'd been honest before God, if they had not blamed, it would have changed this whole account. Everything, everything would have shifted. Everything would have shifted. But they were looking for somebody, someone else to blame, including God. And they refused to accept personal responsibility for anything that had happened. Without raising your hands, are any of us guilty of that? That's a rhetorical question. Okay, all right, let's go to the next one. How about Gideon? Now, I absolutely love Gideon. I think he is a phenomenal warrior, and he ends up being a great warrior, doesn't he? But there was a journey from the calling to the battlefield. All right, there, there was this, this mindset that was, that was already there, and he needed healed from that mindset. And so in Judges 6, 13 to 15, it reads, Sir Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, hear that if? If God, if you're really with us, why has all this happened? Hear the why question? Victims are really good at if and why. And, and where are all the miracles our ancestors told us about? Didn't they say? The Lord brought us up out of Egypt. But now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites. Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. But Lord, Gideon replied, How can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest of the whole tribe of Manasseh, and I am the least of my entire family. So what had happened is his perception of who he was had impacted his belief system. And God had to come in and say, I am sending you. You are a mighty warrior. Your perception of yourself has to change in order to walk into the fullness of who I have called you to be. So how many of us need to have our perceptions changed so that we can walk into the fullness of who God has called us to be? 
But we're so busy saying, but, but, this is how I see myself. This is, this is how my plans describe. This is, these are the words that have been spoken over me and the labels that have been put on me. And God's right there saying, but I am sending you. I am sending you. I am telling you to go. You go with the strength that you have and trust me to infuse it with my power. But we have to take the first step. So I just love how God kept after Gideon. He didn't just take the but God. God said, wait a minute, who am I? And this is how I see you. And for some of us here right now, God is saying, this is how I see you. And rather than arguing with the Lord, I think it's time to agree with him. And say, yes, Lord, open my eyes to see myself the way that you see me. Okay. Fun thing to do, a little sign up here. Sometimes sit down and journal. And just ask the Lord a question, Lord, how do you see me? See how he responds. And then fight your way through it. If you don't agree with it, he's right. Just want to let you know, he is right. We're wrong. He's right. All right. So um, let's go on to... A few of the others, we have the older brother in Luke 15, 23 to 31. And basically think of the older brother. The younger brother comes home. Yes, he made a mess of his life. Yes, he squandered all all his share of the family money. And he comes home, but what could the older brother not do? He could not enter into a family celebration that the one who was lost, the one who had made the mistake, returned. Instead, he went in judgment. That is actually a victim mindset. We would think from the story that the one who was the victim or could be the victim was actually the younger brother, but it's actually the older brother. It's the one who stayed home. We have to understand that sometimes we can be the good kid who stayed home, but we can still have developed a fully full-blown victim identity or mentality in that. We also have Samson, Judges 14 and 16. So... As we go through all his various stories, he's always uh, looking for who owes him for what he's done, for the good that he's done. And he actually moves back and forth between victim and savior. So this is another thing that we see. A victim could be the one who wants to operate as Jesus Christ, climbs up on the throne, has all the solutions, has all the mindset, knows absolutely what's wrong. But then they go back into the woe is me because nobody will listen to me. Okay, and that's kind of the story of Samson. He would go out, he would slay, he would do whatever, and then he would go back to Delilah. There's always an assignment for downfall. If the more we stay in it, it will eventually rob us of our destiny. We will endure pain that we were never meant to endure. Samson was never meant to have, he was not created to spend those years in prison without his strength. Okay, but God allowed him in his last stance to push the pillars and take down Dragon's temple. But that he was created to be a victor and walk with a confidence. Um, And then, I hate to say this, but the whole Israelite community, you see this can hit a whole community. What did we see in the desert? I'd rather go back to Egypt. I'd rather go back to the land of slavery because I was more comfortable there. In other words, I'd rather go back to the mud pit because that's what I know. Rather than walking into the promised land that God has for me. 
And then the last one we want to look at is Sarah. So we have that account in Genesis 16. I'm only going to do verses 2 and 5. So Sarah said to Abraham, the Lord has prevented me from having children. Go and sleep with my servant. Perhaps I can have children through her. And then we go down to verse 5, and it says, Then Sarah said to Abraham, This is all your fault. I put my servant into your arms, but now that she's pregnant, she treats me with contempt. So she forgot the promises of God. How many of us forget the promises of God when they take a little time to come to pass? All right. How many of us want to try to make them happen ourselves when they take a little time to come to pass? What she did was culturally acceptable. How many of us step into cultural standards and acceptability and out of the yeah. word of God trying to make something come to pass? The feed for that is actually what happens in this victim mentality. That we can't wait for God's timing. We can't discern his timing. We begin to step in to try to make it happen ourselves. And then when it doesn't go the way it was supposed to go, we look for somebody to blame. Okay. Now, I won't fully let Abraham off the hook because he shouldn't have agreed to all this. But anyways, it is what it is. Aren't you glad scripture tells us? The good, the bad, and the ugly. Yeah. Okay. I mean, the real people, think about that. When you read scripture, think about these are real people who didn't know the outcome. Right, right. They had to walk through the situation. And sometimes that meant they were down slogging through the mud instead of being a mighty warrior standing tall. And so, one other thing about um, Sarah, Sarah, I remember she began to treat Hagar harshly. So, often as a victim goes to blame, they will actually begin to mistreat. And so that's just something to keep in the back of mind. How am I treating people? Am I representing the fullness and the love of God? Or am I casting judgment? Am I being harsh? That's a big thing right now. Just look at social media. The church is having a really rough time speaking love into a world that's so hurting. Okay, not everyone, but we see enough of it out there. You guys know what I'm saying. Um, so the other thing, remember, um, you know, God went and changed Sarah's name, and some of us need to have our name changed so that we can fully walk into our destiny. We need God to come into that place. And remember, God changed her name from Sarah to Sarah. One other thing I love that uh, Bob Hazlett said, that's Josh's uncle. Um, I, I was at Voice of the Prophets, and, and he talked about this name change. And one of the things he said is that Sarah to Sarah, ah, the breath of God. Right. He was putting the breath of God on her to accomplish what he had called her to do. Amen. When the Holy Spirit blows in, it changes everything. It totally changes everything. So, you know, in God, in his infinite wisdom, he gives us examples of people who failed, trusted in their self, believed they were the victim. But you know what I love is that God can still use these people. You know, again, he always calls us out of that. Um, remember Hebrews 11, we're just talking about Sarah, we're giving her a little bit of a hard time, we're ragging on her a little bit. But then here we are in Hebrews 11, where it says that, no, um, that it was by faith that even Sarah was able to have a child. Though she was barren and too old, she believed God would keep his promise. She jumped ahead, but yet here we go into, into Hebrews, and we see her being commended for her faith. That's what a big God we have. And that's what we need to hear because just because we've made a mistake doesn't mean we've necessarily aborted our destiny if we come back into alignment with who God is. 
it doesn't matter how far we've gone on that spectrum. When we come back into alignment with the goodness of God and the wholeness of God and his vision for our future, he can still write. He can still write about you. He can still write about me. But they were faithful. But they believed. He knows. He sees. Okay, let's take a look at one verse that, that really gets tough. We're going to go to um, uh, the next verse, which I didn't write down where it's at. Where is it? There we go. Here we go. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation, regardless of its source. Just say regardless of its source. Regardless of its source. Has overtaken or enticed you that is not common to human experience. Nor is any temptation unusual or beyond human resistance. But God, just say, but God. But God. But God is faithful to his word. He is compassionate and trustworthy. And he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability to resist. But along with that temptation, he has in the past and is now and will always, just say always, always. provide a way out as well. So that you will be able to endure it without yielding. And will overcome the temptation with joy. Just say, overcome the temptation. With joy. Do we understand that joy can pull us right out of the pit? You see, the joy of the Lord is our strength. So that, that ability to walk in joy and to receive the joy of the Lord changes everything. So we have to understand that a person with a victim mentality at any level, if they just go and they say, I'm just not going to be a victim anymore. Everyone just say, I'm not going to be a victim anymore. Okay, that just took you out of a negative to ground zero. Okay, but what's ground zero? It's a fresh start. Okay, it's a fresh start. It's a new beginning. It's that but God moment. It changes everything. So just say that again, I'm not going to be a victim anymore. So let's go on. I love Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things, just say all things, all things, which he has called me to do through him who strengthens and, say and, and. empowers me to fulfill his purpose. I am self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. I am ready for anything and equal to anything through him who infuses me with inner strength and confident peace. If you're struggling to come out of a victim to get out of that mud pit, write this everywhere. And begin to decree and declare over your life. I love that it's out of what the Amplified says. Because I can do all things. What can I do? He's not calling me to stay in the mud pit. That's not what I'm called to do. I can do all things which he has called me to do. So since he's called me to be a, vic a victor. Since he's called me to be a warrior who stands tall. Since it tells me when I've done everything. Scripture says in Ephesians. When you've done everything you know to do. You st to stand. You stand. It doesn't say you lay down. It doesn't say you crawl through the mud pit. It says when you've done everything that you know to do, you stand. Standing in scripture is active. It's not passive. It's that lawyer stance. It's I'm ready for anything that comes at me. So I can do anything because he has called me to do it. He's the one who has strengthened me, empowered me. What did he say to Gideon? Go in the strength you have, I. Okay, God was right there. He's like, I'm going to infuse it. I'm going to empower it. And so again, I'm self-sufficient, not in and of myself, but because of who God is. This is part of the difference between a victim and a victor. A victor says, you know what? I might be weak, but my God's strong. 
If he's calling me to do this, if he's calling me to the impossible, that means that he's going to make it possible. He's going to pour in and through me everything that is needed for this moment. But sometimes it means taking that first step. That's why being at ground zero is so important. Because ground zero, hand in hand with God, will always catapult us forward, never pull us back. And so that's really an important principle. Um, so in order, as we look at this, in order to fully walk in the victor mindset, we have to embrace the word of God, the power that comes from the kingdom of heaven, without excuse. And with that, I'm going to say there will be times when our experiences do not line up with what God says. Is that true? Can you think of times where you've experienced something where it didn't seem to line up with the word of God? You stepped into your destiny, you stepped into your calling, you know God's told you to do something, and yet you don't see that coming to pass. And one of the things that we try to do as a body of Christ is we take scripture and we try to pull it down to align with that experience. That's backwards. Our experience must always pulled up, be pulled up to align with the word of God. We can never, ever dumb down scripture to meet our experiences. We're always taking our experience and saying, this is what the word of God says. I cannot change my stance. So whether or not I see it now or not is not the issue. I will align it with who my God is and what the word of God says. Because I am created to be a victor. It is but God. It is for him. It is through him. So therefore, I cannot afford to make any exceptions to that. Amen. No matter what I see in the natural, my, the place I will focus, where I will align, what I will think on, what I will dwell on, what I will allow to marinate within me is who my God is. Amen. So and so, um, so, let's take a look at some of the victors in scripture. A lot more fun than the victims. Okay, but um, yeah, and, and of course, scripture is loaded with victors. And so let's look at Joseph. What do you think about Joseph? If anyone was going to turn into a victim, I would, have, I would put him up there. Okay, I want you to think about this. How many of you have siblings? How many of you didn't always get along with your siblings? Okay, imagine them throwing you in a pit to sell you. Okay, that was against the rules in our house. Okay, but, but you know, how many of you wanted to throw your siblings in a pit and sell them once in a while? Okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there are those moments. So here's this, this young man as a kid thrown into a pit. Imagine all the trauma with that. Just think about it. He didn't know the outcome. Think about that. We know the outcome. He did not know that outcome. And there was something within him that kept driving him. To God rather than away from God. He did not allow his childhood trauma to define his future. Amen. Some of us right now need to stop allowing our childhood trauma to define today oh, and to define tomorrow. Say that again. Okay. Some of us we cannot we cannot afford to allow our childhood trauma to define our future. Come on. We've been doing that for way too long. It has silenced us. It has held us back. It has impacted our identity. It's been the label that we wore. All those things that were spoken over us, done to us, we wear them and they hold us back. They become weights that keep us from soaring on the wings of eagles and really seeing from a heavenly perspective. They hold us in the pit rather than allowing us to stand. 
need an example? It's Joseph. Just really think back of being that young man going through that and not knowing the outcome of the story. And you could say, well, he had dreams from God. Yeah, he didn't know what to do with them. He even blew it with the dreams. Okay, he didn't know how to handle this. He had to grow into it. But somehow, he did not allow that childhood drama to define his future. The other thing he didn't do is let some jail time and false promises define him. He didn't walk in shame because of that. Now you could say, well, he was in jail because he was falsely accused. Jail is jail. Okay, jail is jail. That didn't, that didn't define him. It refined him. Do we allow our past to define us or does it refine us? Does it hold us back or does it become something that God uses for his glory to set the people free, to set captives free? He chose to ask, what shall I do now? Lord, how do I do this? What do I do now? And then his identity was secure. Let's take a look at Caleb. And I, I can throw Joshua into Caleb also. That's Numbers 13, 30 to 32. You know, this is when the spies had gone out. And they, you know, they, the original 12 spies, and they went to look at the land. And they came back with the report. And here's two out of ten saying, you know, this is, this is good land. You know, and, and so Caleb, he tries to quiet the people as they're standing before Moses. And he says, let's go at once and take the land, and we can certainly conquer it. And I forgot that I'm supposed to be controlling this. I apologize. It took me almost the whole message. Um, yeah, wow, well, what can I say? Um, anyways, thank you for, anyways, yeah, thank you. So um, Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. Let's go at once and take the land. We can certainly conquer it. But the other men who had explored the land with him disagreed. We can't go up against them. They're stronger than we are. So they spread this bad report about the land among the Israelites. The land we are traveling through and explored will devour anyone who goes to live there. All the people we saw were huge. So basically, when we look at Caleb and also when we look at Joshua, they had an ability to stay focused on the Lord and not the giants of the land. Some of us need to get our focus back on the right person. We need to get our focus back on God rather than focusing on the giants of the land. Notice that they were in the minority. They were not the majority. It was two out of the 10 who chose to focus on God. The other, I'm sorry, two out of the 12, the other 10 focused on the giant. If we want to walk with a fully mature Victor mentality, we have to make sure that our focus is always on the one. Always on God. Always on the one who is able. Again, with no exception. Um, and so the other thing, they ultimately, Caleb, he, he sees that he's an heir to the promises of God. Do we see ourselves as heirs of the kingdom of heaven, to the fullness of the promises of God? Or do we see the enemy around us devouring us? He put everyone to size. You know, if you think about that, who else put everyone to size? That would be David. David looks at Goliath. He's got the mightiest army, God's army, shaking. And yet David looks at Goliath and, and is like, don't you know who you're talking to? Don't you know who you're talking to? So this kid comes and steps in where the army could, was, they were too afraid to tread. And this kid steps in and takes, says, you know, he tries on Saul's armor and it doesn't fit right. We can't fight our battles in somebody else's armor. We have to fight our battles in the armor that God gives us. Okay. 
But he steps in, and then what's his weapon? Well, at that point in time in his life, it was a slingshot. He, he later learned to weld a sword very, very well, but at that point, it was rocks and a slingshot. But one rock, fueled by the power of the Holy Spirit, could take down a giant. Okay, so you might not be ready to wield the fullness of the sword yet, but one rock, one rock, what's God put in your hand? One rock fueled by the power, propelled by the power of the Holy Spirit, changes everything. And you take that down, that giant. That's a victor mentality. David understood that. As did Joshua, as did Caleb. So we have to, with all of them, they see from God's perspective, not ours. So the other one that I want to bring in is actually the unclean woman in Luke 8, 17 to 18. And when the woman realized that she could not stay hidden, she began to tremble and fell at her knees in front of him. The whole crowd heard her explain why she had touched him, and she had been immediately healed. Daughter, he said to her, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. You see, one of the things with her, she could see beyond the, the, the cultural norms, standards, laws, shame. She had to go everywhere yelling unclean. She wasn't even supposed to be around people. And yet she could press through every single obstacle because she was going to grab onto the promises of God. Amen. Are we willing? Can we? Do we have it within us to press through every single obstacle Amen. to get to the goodness and the promises and the healing of God? And I love um, that he says to her, daughter, your faith, your faith has made you well, go in peace. You see, again, when we come before the Lord, as we go, he, he sees that and he says, go in peace. That's always the invitation. And so as victors, we understand that when we make a mistake, we go before the Lord. And he cleanses us. He takes the mud off us. And he says, go in peace because this is who you were created to be. You are my son. You are my daughter. You are created to walk in victory. You are, you are created to slay the dragons, to slay the giants. Because that's who you are. That's who you are. And of course, with all of that, our gracious example in scripture, of course, is Jesus Christ, right? Amen? And so, um, Hebrews 12, 1 to 4 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Do you know Jesus is your champion? I love that word, and we say, okay, he's my intercessor, he's my savior, he's also your champion, he also believes in you, he trusts you to carry out what he's called us to do on the face of the earth, he trusts us to do that, and of course it goes on and it says, we do this by keeping our eyes, our focus on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith, because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and now he's seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. After all, you've not yet given your lives in your struggle against sin. As long as we are walking, as long as we are alive and breathing, there is the 
invitation to be strong and mighty for the kingdom of heaven, to be a warrior, to be defined as a warrior and a victor as opposed to being a victim. So I want you guys all to stand up, if you can, if you're comfortable standing up. And we're just going to do a little large group ministry right now as, as we start to bring this to a close, as we begin to wrap it up. So I want to ask you to close your eyes. And I'm just going to ask you to repeat after me. Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father we come before you. We acknowledge that there's been times when we stepped into being a victim. We ask your forgiveness. And right now we remove that label. We give you permission to shift our mindset. Because your word says that I'm a victor. Your word says that I am more than able. Your word says that no weapon formed against me will prosper. So right now I realign myself with the promises of heaven, with who you have created me to be. I take back all wrong power and authority that I gave to anyone else, knowingly or unknowingly. I take it all back. Lord, where I'm muddy, I ask you to cleanse me. That, you, that your living water would just flow over me. That it would not only wash me off, but that it would fill me with your strength. I ask your Holy Spirit to come where my voice has been silenced. I decree and declare that I have the breath of the Lord in me. That the Holy Spirit lives in me. That I have a voice. And I'm a force to be reckoned with. Because of who my God is. So Lord, I step back into that place. Or maybe I step into it for the first time. But I step into that place of being a soldier for the kingdom of heaven. Being fully clothed in the weapons of warfare. And specifically right now, I pick up the sword, which is the word of God. That's my stance. That's my plumb line. Without excuse, that's my identity. And that's the only place I will align. I thank you, God, for freedom. And I decree and declare that I am not a victim. I am a victor. I am a victor. I'm created to take ground. I'm created to win battles. I am a force to be reckoned with in the kingdom of heaven because of all you've done for me. And you have told me, just like Gideon, to be strong and courageous. So that's me. I'm strong and courageous. Amen. Amen and amen.
a good place to get you fired up for the conference that's coming up, right? It's going to be a weekend of that in many regards, right? So once again, I highly encourage you, if, uh, if particularly if this message has been pulling on you in your heartstrings, you know, you know when the Lord does that. Uh, take a look at that. And uh, just speaking to you real quickly, the Lord is really on this. Because um, even this last Wednesday at prayer, I mean, I couldn't tell you how many examples that you're giving up that we were praying into. Really? Yeah, I mean, the whole the whole motif of, of going back to Egypt and the, and the leeks and the onions and, and all that. Right? We were, we were we were we were absolutely praying into that, um, and even with Abraham. Uh, so the Lord is on that, and I, I think there's lots of reasons for it. But one, you know, even this area of Bristol. Uh, and even us in the spirit, we can adopt that victim mentality. And it's, look, that's where the enemy wants you. Yeah. Amen. Right? Yeah. Because once he can get you to that place, you feel that you're weak. Amen. Once you get to that place, you feel like you have no options. So you start casting blame on others. And honestly, you know, what, when you adopt that, it's, it's really saying, like, you now can, like, quote, unquote, legitimize your actions. Right? 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 I'm allowed to be this way. Yeah. I'm allowed to just give up. I'm allowed to cast blame. I'm allowed to stay in the muck and in the mud. And then sin so easily can just get right in there. That's not the place of a son. That's not the place of a daughter. That's not the place of more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. So we're going to uh, move into a little time of, 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 of soaking prayer. Please feel free to hang out outside. It's not too cold. Um, little cafe get to know one another uh, but we also want to open up this time for a time of some prayer so um, if, if you need prayer with this to, to really just release yourself from that uh, Ruth and I will be up here um, doing that we do have masks available if you are more comfortable with either you using a mask or us using a mask we want to um, honor you with that right to the pure all things are pure so just give us a heads up and we'll, we'll with that, okay? There's no, no wrongdoing with that. So have a wonderful week. Pay attention on Facebook. It's going to be uh, Wiffle Ball, Food Truck, Frisbee, Football. So make sure you sign up for next week. Have a wonderful week. Be blessed. Stir up passion in my heart, God. Let it overflow.